welcome to this week's episode of Not D&D, which is brought to you by EN World Live, which is part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. I'm your host, Jessica, as always. And this week we have with us the team behind 13th Moon Games. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about your game, Coven and Crucible. Get the beautiful graphic we have there on. Uh, so very excited to talk about this game, which is now currently live on Kickstarter. Uh, so if you have any questions about the game, jump in and ask and uh, we'll talk about them with the creators right here. But before we jump in, thank you so much for coming on, folks. Uh, could you uh, introduce yourself and uh, and and say what you've done to to kind of create this game? Um, yeah, hi, I'm Roach. Uh, I am in charge of the setting and the world building um, portion of the game. Uh, I'm a writer. I am a practicing witch and pagan, so um, I have several books in on witchcraft and paganism that uh, have been published by um, Llewellyn. And so I bring that kind of my understanding of magic to the system that uh, we have in the game. And I, that's kind of what I do. (laughs) That's that's your main part of it. Yeah, that's my main focus. That and, (laughs) and I'm the one who's behind running the scenes behind for the Kickstarter. Fantastic. Excellent. And just me, I'm Stefan, bald beastie. Uh, I do the mechanics. Uh, I, I've been uh, a lifelong gamer since I was nine, so it's 43 years. Um, but uh, I've been doing the mechanics for this, and mm-hmm. it's gone through a few renditions, but um, it's been a journey of love. It's been a journey of love. <laughs> well, that's wonderful to hear, uh, and we're going to talk all about that journey today uh, and talk about the game. I have um, popped the link to the Kickstarter in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast or um, in the comments if you're watching it live, so you can check out the Kickstarter there. And it's got like four days left, is that correct? Yep. yep. It ends on Friday. Ends on Which Friday. Is, yeah, that's the night that we have our play test, so it's going to be uh, a very <laughs> exciting night. <laughs> It will be an exciting night. So that's Friday the 27th of January. Um, So you have uh, this week to to get involved now if you'd like to. Um, And ask any questions now if if you have any, if you'd like to hear whilst it's still live. Um, So first of all, congratulations on the Kickstarter because you are fully funded. You have gone through all of the stretch goals that I can see um, on there, which is incredibly exciting. Um, But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Before I jump into talking about the game and talking about the Kickstarter, I'd like to talk about uh, you lovely folks a bit first. Um, So I always ask uh, guests about kind of their background with RPGs and games, because I know LARP is a really big part of your story as well. So happy to talk about that. Um, So Roach, what was the first um, kind of tabletop game you, you, you remember playing? Um, the first game I played was Rifts. Okay. It was, um, I didn't get into, uh, role-playing games until I went off to college because I grew Mm -hmm. up in a small town in the middle of Wyoming, uh, and there just weren't, um, that I knew of, there weren't, I, I didn't even know that, uh, RPGs and D&D and all that existed until I went off to college and one of my friends was playing, she's like, I'm going to go play tonight. I'm like, what is that? And so she starts explaining it to me. I'm like, Yes, I'm in. Yeah, I would like to. I would like yeah. to try this. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. Um, fantastic. Yeah, that was my and Rifts was my introduction into um, into RPGs and all of that. And then that gateway into you playing LARPs and things as well. LARP came much later. Um, mm-hmm. LARP came. I was uh, at a point in my life where I was um, just very unhappy. And I went to a friend of mine, um, we had been co-workers, and I went to her and I said, I'm really unhappy, and I don't know what to do. And my friend said, she said, well, why don't you come LARP with us? Because it, it'll either make things better or worse. And I'm <laughs> like, well, 50-50 odds, you can't really beat that. And so I went, I had never heard of LARP before, and mm-hmm. I, and they were like, well, it's, you know, you've played RPGs before it's RPG, except for you get to wear the costume. And, stuff. and as soon as she said costuming, I'm like, I'm there. Yes. Uh, so that has been a big part of my um, RPG role-playing journey is once yeah. I realized, Oh, you can like dress up and everything. That was, that was yeah. like hit all of my interests. I think they really do go hand in hand. I've just come, uh, literally this morning, came back from a convention where we were doing role-playing games and we also had some LARP in there as well. Uh, so I think they go really hand in hand nicely and do different styles of games and stuff. So it's nice to see oh, yeah. 
involved in both. Um, but Stefan, uh, moving over to you. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, so what oh. was your kind of first introduction to, to, to gaming, to playing role-playing Well, games? it was a birthday party in mm-hmm. the basement of my friend's house when I was nine years old. And they had a, like an Atari 2600 set up just to date myself, a little video game. That was sure. like one of the first video game consoles. And then, uh-huh. uh, but nobody was playing it. Uh, and we, they were at this big table set up and it was, uh, I saw this screen and I'm like, what's, what's this? And he's like, oh, have you not heard of D&D? And I'm like, no. He's like, oh, come on, sit down. And it was, I remember the screen, I still remember to this day, it was Castle Amber from the AD&D uh, module. Mm-hmm. And that's, and we, we started. And I think, I don't think I've slept until like three or four in the morning. It was amazing. I was, you know, I was so wow. excited. It was so much fun. Uh, and that's what got me started. And then from there, I've been doing it off and on all my life. Fantastic. So yeah, it sounds like it had a big impact then as well. Yeah. And um, LARP is also an important part of your story, uh, not just a, a, for you, but but for the two of you uh, as well. Do you, <laughs> could you share that story? I could share that story. This is an amazing story, one of my favorites. <laughs> so uh i was at at the time i was in it was 2008 right and i was in michigan and and uh my friends i was supposed to go to some national convention for this larp organization i was part of and uh i in in october i couldn't go because i had my house was broken into so then i stayed but then Mm -hmm. i'm like well i'll go to this regional event in january it was in bettendorf iowa uh and uh, i go to this event uh, and I, I went with my friends and it was, I didn't know many people there. Uh, I had met a few people from before, from other events. And uh, we, I went to the first night after party and uh, that's where I met uh, Roach and we hit it off and it went from there. I mean, there's other details too that I don't know if we can share, but I'll leave it up there. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, but but then you you became a, a couple and then started uh, playing games together and are now kind of creating games together. And so you've both worked on uh, kind of Covenant Crucible, like doing sharing the mechanical building and also the world building and, and generating it. Um, which is lovely. Um, so yeah, I just when I read that in the the Kickstarter, I thought that's a nice story. So it's just a nice <laughs> thing um, to to kind of share. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so kind of uh, moving on now, I'm going to get us to to talk about um, kind of talk about the Kickstarter and how did you go from people that just played games to people that kind of design and, and create them? What was that step like? <laughs> I'll let you tell the introduction. That was amazing. Okay. okay. Um, well. Uh, last year, uh, around Thanksgiving, I had had this idea for a little while, but um, Stefan is a forever GM. He is always the one running games, and he uh, rarely ever gets to play games. And we had run a very brief um, Changeling game together uh, online. With This was uh, during uh, the height of COVID here in the United States. And uh-huh. so we were running it online with friends. and. It was fun. It was great for us to play together and to be co-GMs and co-storytellers, but uh, it wasn't really uh, scratching that itch of his to play. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I would like to run a game so that he could play, but I wasn't uh, confident enough in my storytelling skills with different uh, systems and then I thought well what if we what if we just made up a game and so I went to him uh a little bit before Thanksgiving of last year but that was in November uh and I said well hey do you, do you want to take our relationship to the next level <laughs> and he immediately said yes before I said anything else and I'm like <laughs> I kind of want to write I want to uh write an RPG game with you and he's like yes let's do this uh, but the impetus behind it was we'd make a game that I could then run that he could play in. And so he wouldn't and I would be comfortable running the game because I knew it inside out, which sure. uh, is totally <laughs> not true because I'm constantly asking him mechanics questions these days where I'm mm-hmm. like, so this does this, right? And he's like, yes, it does. 
<laughs> but the setting and the world, you've got that down, I assume. Yes, that that I'm I'm good on. It's just you know uh-huh. when there's combat and I'm gonna be and I have to ask him questions like, okay, so if you block it, it does this, right? And he's like, yes, that's how we wrote it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> of course we did. Of course. So, so Stefan, for you, this was just a way to stop running and be able to play a game for once. Is it sounds like? Yeah, it, it, I mean, it it was in a in a in a. I was excited about it first off mm-hmm. just because I love playing, you know, but mm-hmm. also uh, because it was when we had discussed, you know, the setting and she had brought this mm-hmm. idea and it's like this amalgamation of like uh, uh, two different movies that we love. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, yes, I really want to play this game. <laughs> and so Fantastic. that's where, that's where it came from. Amazing. So Roach, as you, uh, you know, came up with the idea kind of for the setting and, and built a lot of that, could you introduce us to it? So tell us, tell us about Coven and Crucible. Um, yeah. So like the elevator pitch is, it's like John Wick meets the last winch hunter. Wow. Um, the longer, uh, the, the, the paragraph pitch is, it is a modern day world uh, in which there are witches and w- which magic is real and uh, people who practice magic are witches. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a hidden thing. Uh, you can go down to your local corner tarot uh, shop and there's a witch there that will do some divination for you. You can pick up uh, potions from a apothecary. Um, there's, uh, it's consider it's like programming where anybody could mm-hmm. do it, but you have to put in the work to do it. And a lot of people don't. It's like a really um, high kind of skill, specialized. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that um, our our core book that we're working that we're running the Kickstarter for is set in Chicago, and it's um, basically you play a witch in Chicago uh, who you specialize. So we have a lot of influences of. Um, the kind of idea that you're going to build a team. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you, you have the person who is the combat, witch. you have the person who's the healing, witch, the person who is the um, techno, witch, and they come together. And that way uh, people don't feel like they have to do everything. And it allows them to build teams uh, kind of like building a party, but with witches. Mm Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That sounds great. And um, the inspiration, is it is it right to say that's inspired by your own kind of spiritual practice and beliefs as well? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of it is based on my understanding and my belief in how magic works. Uh, it just made sense to me to draw from, if it, this was going to be like a real world sort of thing, to draw mm-hmm. from my own experiences. Fantastic. So it's good to know that the setting's being made with like empathy to people that have kind of you know spiritual practice and beliefs with like paganism or or things like that so it's been made by somebody who's understands that and is part of that kind of world um we have we have really tried to um write the setting in such a way that it is uh it doesn't we don't uh engage in cultural appropriation we don't Mm -hmm. um get involved with uh, having any kind of making any kind of um, value judgments on whether or not uh, practices or beliefs are real or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we want this. I mean, it's it's a fantasy game, but it has sure. some basis, you know, some real world basis. So we want that. We don't want people thinking that uh, coming away from it thinking, oh, well, they're saying that uh, witches are bad or witches are good or, or anything mm-hmm. like that. They're just people, <laughs> yeah, and, and they can they can do good things like like people like you say coding is the example. Yeah, someone that codes can do good or bad with it. it depends. Yeah, you can hack somebody or you could you know build a really cool website. I guess. Um, so I guess it's the same concept. Um, that's really awesome to hear. So you mentioned kind of some of the kind of the film inspiration and uh, you know other references. So how did you, Stefan, kind of go about? making that mechanically work so you had this awesome kind of setting idea how did you approach you know the the game design of it well that's a that's excellent because to kind of springboard off of the the whole idea of witchcraft and paganism and and uh the kind the idea of the personal relationship with magic it requires Mm -hmm. a lot of intention which Mm -hmm. is what the mechanics are based off of that you have because they're so diverse and it's pretty open-ended which we'll get into in a minute Mm -hmm. um 
it is uh, it, it requires a lot of specific intention. Like, what is it that you want to accomplish? And then here's how you do that. Uh, but as far as how to get that that John Wick grit coupled with that Last Witch Hunter mysticism and mm-hmm. just really cool vibe, uh, it went through a lot of renditions. Um, mm-hmm. We had to come up with an idea that uh, wasn't that was uh, it was as threatening as it was useful. Uh, mm-hmm. So you know, combat is scary, just like yeah. in real life, uh, and combat is can be very quick and dirty and uh and that's where the mechanics inspiration came from uh and i wanted to keep it simple so uh that's how we kind of came up with our um our target number and level success system with the d12s okay could you talk about kind of the the d12 system a little oh, bit more and I uh, mechanics how it, it works all day long all day long great because that's exactly what i invited you here to do so what a perfect match thank you uh so yeah the d12s how it works it's uh at the very base level is you have a target number that you've generated uh and you have these two d12s because Mm -hmm. in my experience the d12s have gotten so little love and they just really Mm -hmm. need some there's nothing wrong with them they're not scary they're awesome so Uh, so uh, I wanted to come up with something that was easy to use, uh, didn't mm-hmm. require a lot. And then, uh, so we come up with a target number and you roll 2d12 and try to get underneath that target number. And that's the very basic it. Mm-hmm. Um, we can, once you get into, uh, levels of success, uh, yeah. and you know, when you have oppo- oppositional roles and environmental effects and things like that, that's where you start getting into a bit more, uh, well, what does it mean? I succeeded, but now mm-hmm. what does that mean? Um, so, like, we have the very basic definition. Target number is whether or not you succeed. Yeah. Levels of success are just how well you succeed. There we go. And I understand, is it right that 13, rolling a 13, has a significance <sighs> in the game? It does. It does. So, <laughs> uh, because there are some roles that are really easy, uh, some witches who specialize. If you're a specialist, you're going to be mm-hmm. really good at what you do. So, you're going to succeed most of the time. Um, but sometimes you're doing something that even that you're good at, it's really, really difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. which is where the levels of difficulty come into play and the difficulty rating. So um, if you happen to have a target number that is, say, 12, right? Um, and you roll these 2D, 2D12s and you get an 11 and a 2. That's a 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 is signif- signifies something important happens. Whether it's good or bad depends on whether you succeed or not. So if that target okay. number of 12 and you roll a 13, that's like a critical failure. So right. something bad will happen or with the, and it's at the ST discretion, but generally we have a guideline of what would happen. Um, mm-hmm. However, if your target number was to say an 18 and you rolled at 13, that's a critical success. So something really awesome happens. Generally your levels of success are doubled uh, for that action, uh, but it could be something else depending on what the ST and what the, what the intention of the action was and what the ST decides uh, and what would mesh well with the setting that they're portraying. That sounds really cool. I love how you mentioned how combat is very deadly because for me, um, reading through uh, about the game before I invited you to come on, it seems like magic in this world, and correct me if I'm wrong, is a little bit almost like electricity in the sense that it's very powerful and can do a lot of things, but if you mess around with it and do it wrong, it can be very dangerous. So (laughs) in the same way, because I'm not a trained electrician, I'm not going to try and mess with things in my house. Is that kind of how magic is in this world as well? Is that fair? Um, yeah, it is. Uh, the concept is that anybody can anybody can do it. And that's mm-hmm. mechanically that is um, registered by the fact that everybody has a um, magic attribute. Okay. So uh, but certain, you know, depending on how high that attribute is and your other mm-hmm. um, skills that you get your target number. Uh, again, like Stefan said, it determines whether or not you succeed. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can do some really nasty things with magic because we leave it really open-ended. There aren't any like spell slots or uh, mm-hmm. spell lists or anything like that. It's um, basically you you say, this is what I want to do. And okay. then you look through your skills and and see how you would accomplish that. And the fact that the way we have it set up, you could have the same you could accomplish the same goal several different ways. So it's the difference between um, what you, what uh, the difference between a cult and lore. So Mm -hmm. they, they're both knowledge base uh, sub skills, but they're going to have different flavors to them as to what 
you you get from them. Um, but the idea is, yeah, that it's um, if you screw up, that there could be, uh, you know, it could go anywhere from your spell fizzles to your spell uh, backfires on you and you get mm-hmm. the brunt of whatever it was that you're trying to do. Okay. Uh, we try to leave it very, we want it very open-ended so that mm-hmm. it's more storytelling uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to just rolling uh, dice and mm-hmm. consulting numbers on a sheet. Um, sure. We, we've had, we've been play testing for almost a year now and there mm-hmm. have been, um, we've had a couple games where the entire time there was stuff going on where it wasn't, you know, rolling was done, but it wasn't what the thrust of the storytelling was. We're, we're both again, having come from that LARP background uh, and yeah. having a love for the storytelling aspect of various mm-hmm. RPGs. That's kind of where our focus is oftentimes. Sure. So it's leaning more towards being like a, a narrative storytelling game uh so so you can have that flexibility that you that you kind of talked about um fab so that that sounds very approachable for a player because you know you don't have to come in and learn all this massive rule set and this whole thing and i assume does it i'm gonna ask roach because it was intended for you to run something (laughs) uh does it feel approachable as a a gm as well as somebody that's new to running games um yeah we like uh we try to make it so that um we have a very clear outline of here mm-hmm. are the mechanics and we make them as clear as we can. Uh, but with the caveat of, okay, here's where uh, ST or player um, uh, intention comes in or where they, how they interpret uh, mm-hmm. how these go. Um, my big thing when I was coming at this was I know in my head what I want stuff to do. I don't know how to express that mechanically. So, because I want there to be consistency, because if you don't have a consistent rule set that everybody's agreed on, then it just kind of devolves into anarchy. Um, And so that's when I was, you know, that was where Stefan just was so helpful and mm-hmm. just he's a genius when it comes to uh mechanics <laughs> and and I say that and and I say that with a little bit of bias <laughs> uh just because yeah I I know nothing about mechanics so I'm just super mm-hmm. impressed but he has uh really taken uh, the time to come up with mechanics that even I can understand. And so I think that that makes it approachable. I mean, again, I constantly have to ask him, so this mechanic does this, right? And he's like, mm-hmm. yes, just like I wrote in the book. And then I go back and I read, I'm like, ha, huh, yeah, if I had just read and not been lazy and just went to you instead. But that's the great thing about playing on a table, I think. There's so many games I play because I love uh you know, running the show, you can imagine I love trying different systems and new stuff. And and sometimes part of that is just there's one person on the table that kind of knows the rules. So you're like, exactly what you said. I want to do this. How do I do that mechanically? And someone goes, you just do this. And you're like, okay, great. Um, so I think that's how a lot of tables run. And, you know, I'm somebody that's played games for, you know, over well over a decade. But even some of those games I've been playing for that amount of time, I still don't know all of them. <laughs> um, but, so I don't think you're alone in that experience is what I was saying. No, that's um, the benefit but, of the mechanics uh, to bounce off mm-hmm. of that because she was talked about um, how do I accomplish th- something or how do I do this? And we've described the mm-hmm. you. there's more than one formula in order mm-hmm. to accomplish the same task. So you can, uh, so as a, as a, as an ST, the ST, you know, you say, okay, well, I, I want you to um, say, I want to be, I want to make myself, I want to cast a spell that makes me f- protection against fire. So mm-hmm. the ST says, okay, well then give me magic plus magical plus warding. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, my warding isn't great, but how about magic plus magical plus endurance? Because I'm kind of enduring it. I'm like, okay, well, that would be good too. You could use that as well. It depends on what your intention is. So you can accomplish the same thing uh, mechanically, even though it may not storytell, story driven wise may not be the exact same thing. Whereas mm-hmm. awarding would keep the fire from ever getting close to you where endurance would it would the fire would hit you but not hurt you or something like that. So no. that's when we say open ended. That's really what we mean is you can you and it's an, it's a discussion between you and your st and it creates this. I find it creates this uh, connection because it makes people say you know what I designed this character this way. Can I use this subscale? And when they can, they 
feel elated. Like, yes, I made yeah. this character and I get to accomplish something that I'm mm -hmm. good at. And it's a really good feeling and it helps establish this really great dynamic between STs and players. And at least that's uh, that's what we've experienced so far in the last almost year of playtesting, Wednesday and Friday nights. <laughs> All right. Is that is that something people can join in on if they're interested or we plan on running um we plan on running a couple tables once the uh, Kickstarter is over. Uh, mm -hmm. We do have a Discord channel that we've made for the official that will then um, be able to allow people so that that way, if people are like, I've got this game, I don't know how to play it, or I don't have a group to play with, that they will be able to come online on Discord and we're going to be running um, running a couple tables for that. Um, that's been actually a pretty popular add-on for the Kickstarters, people uh, mm -hmm. getting in on the Discord access. Fab. And so the best place to get that Discord link is on the, the Kickstarter page, is it? Yes. Fab. Yeah. Okay. Uh, links for that are in the show notes or in the chat if you're watching um, live. Um, so speaking about the kind of mechanics of the game uh, a bit, and we talked a bit about characters and attributes and things like that, but um, could you walk us through character design? So how, how do you build a character? What what makes up one of these, you know, specialized uh, magic users that you make in the game? Uh, well, uh you can it's what's great about it is uh, and I'll get there you could is you can you could mm -hmm. be say a witch mm -hmm. who uh who likes technology or you can be a hacker mm -hmm. who casts a few spells who maybe not doesn't have nice. the level of training as a you know uh, a more traditional witch but has the natural ability to do so um mm -hmm. so what you do is character creation you have four uh attributes uh, which is, uh, you know, will, agility, body, or will, body, agility, and magic. Uh, mm -hmm. Wabam, if you would. And then, <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Sorry. That's, that's why I, <laughs> I the just specifically, and I said that to Roach. That's why I made it that way. It's like, so it's easy to remember. And I already even screwed it up. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, and then you have uh, skills. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have, there are uh, nine skills, uh, mm -hmm. which cover um, a broad, a really broad range. Uh, and skills are things like academics, magic, mm -hmm. strategic, technical, martial, athletics. So things like that, that just cover broad categories. And those are going to yeah. be your broad knowledges. And then underneath those, underneath each skill, there are nine subskills. So okay. that's a total of, I'm sorry, there's seven subskills. So a total of seven, 63, uh -huh. uh, 63 total subskills, which is a lot. And it seems like a lot. That yeah. seems confusing. But when you think about it, the subskills aren't, uh, they are specializations within that skill. So you'll see in Marshall, okay. you'll see things like melee, ranged, uh, dodge, stuff like that. In magic, mm -hmm. you're going to see things like alchemy, divination, uh, you know, warding, hexing, stuff like that. So um, you, when you start as a, a blank sheet, you see this blank character sheet, you have, okay, I have uh, these four attributes. What do I do? All right. Well, you, each one of them starts at a certain level, and then you get so many levels to add to that. Uh, mm -hmm. And then same thing with skills. Skills all start at a mm -hmm. certain level, and then you have so many levels to add to that. Uh, mm -hmm. And then subskills. Well, subskills are those specializations. Those are the things that are going to tell you how many levels of success you're going to get. So you're going to want to pick a few of those and really do well mm -hmm. um, and, and put a lot of levels in those so that you can say, I want to make a thief you know, witch or a witch who steals things, steals artifacts. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you can put, say, well, what skills and subskills would I really, really focus on? And you put the, your levels into those. Uh, sure. It's not going to be really easy to, you could make a broad character, but you don't have enough levels at character creation to put mm -hmm. levels in everything. And that's not the intention. Yeah. The intention is to come up with somebody really, really good at mm -hmm. certain things. Uh, yeah. And the game was created with that in mind i mean the whole mm -hmm. idea is to get people to make a team and yeah. um that then encourages them for to cooperate to work together mm -hmm. i mean you can have uh situations where characters will work against each other or mm -hmm. um it's broad enough that you could have like you could play the political game and everybody has their mm -hmm. own little spheres of influence where they're uh fighting against each other for that or maneuvering against each other but the idea is that um and there's a really good uh stefan has written a good um uh explanation in the core book about mm -hmm. uh how to uh create uh, a specialized character, but yeah. you're basically just picking uh, two or three 
usually just two of those skills and then drilling down in those sub skills. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're, so it allows you, it's a lot of a wide range of choices, but once you go, okay, here's my character concept. How, how do I pick things that will support that character concept as opposed yeah. to I'm going to min max and I'm going to make this uh martial character who can and do all this other stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, now I have to kind of cobble my character around mm -hmm. that. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Like you, so you're making a really specialized character that you're like, I do this, and this is my role, and it encourages you to, like you say, be a collaborative team. And it sounds like, um, with like the scenarios and kind of stories you're telling, you're going to be presented with a, a puzzle and obstacle situation, and it's up to the players to kind of work together to find a creative solution. Because, like you say, it, it's magic. There's like, what do you want to do? There's anything, and you could twist it and use it in so many different ways. So. Um, that's the kind of impression I'm getting from those kind of uh, the stories that you tell. Um, we've had a question about the the setting. Um, so oh. it's based in uh, kind of Chicago. Um, and I'm wondering, have you got a kind of folklore or legends or details about Chicago and the history of that in the game? I think because Roach, was it you have a connection and a background in Chicago? Is that right? Um, well, I we lived in sh in the Chicagoland area for I've lived in there for 20 some odd years. Um, and yeah, we for the setting we've included, we've got um, various uh, landmarks and neighborhoods that have certain paranormal or occult uh, ties. Um, we one of the big things in the uh, setting is a thing called genus loci, which are spirits of the place. And these are just spirits that characters can interact with that are kind of guardians of a certain space. So, you know, it could be Lake Michigan or uh, something as small as a community garden. And uh, I really tried to bring in landmarks and neighborhoods and um, tried to bring that Chicago feel into this setting. Uh, I tried to approach it as if. Um, kind of like a fantasy setting where you have a fantasy mm -hmm. setting and nobody knows anything about this city that you're coming to. You need to be able to describe it in such a way that they can immerse themselves into it. So that's how I approached uh, doing this, doing this setting for Chicago is, okay, I'm coming at it as if I were an alien and had never been here before. Mm -hmm. What are the important things that I would need to know in order to feel like I'm in this setting? Sure. And I think you can see it influenced in the artwork as well. And I'd love to talk about the artwork of the game a little bit as well, because this image we have here is stunning. And there's some glimpses of like kind of concept artwork and, and things uh, that you got on the Kickstarter page. And I saw that one of your stretch goals was about kind of more art and things. So I'd, I'd love to talk about the visuals of the game. Oh, yeah. Um, so our artist is actually our daughter, uh, oh. Charlotte. She um, She's taking a gap year uh she graduated high school last year and she's taking mm -hmm. a gap year before she goes to school for astrophysicists oh wow uh, astrophysics yeah i know yeah. um and she uh she has been doing all of the arts um we you know i i will cultivate um or curate a bunch of source images um uh, royalty stock images that I then show to her and I go okay this is kind of what I'm looking at and then she mm -hmm. makes the art of it and um yeah it's it's amazing this the book is going to be so flipping pretty uh <laughs> just with um all of the the wonderful illustrations that she has done for it so far and that the what I've posted to the kickstarter is like a quarter of what we've got and then we're going to have even more now uh because we hit that stretch goal Perfect. Um, so yeah, and that's wonderful. I mean, I can't believe she's also an astrophysicist and just also an incredibly talented <laughs> artist. Like, what a combination! What a combination! She, she writes fan fiction. She like she is all uh, hitting all the different topics there. Um, mm -hmm. But no, she is she is great, and uh, I am mm -hmm. super proud of yeah. uh, the work that she's done. 
For sure, definitely. Um, well, so we, we kind of talked about the setting of the world. We've talked, you know, a bit about the mechanics, how you create a character, the art, and things like that. Um, but I'm wondering about what are the the stories that people tell? Like, um, in the Kickstarter, are there kind of scenarios for people to play through? And 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 if you have any kind of examples from playtesting about the kind of uh, yeah, the kind of games people will be playing uh, when they're playing uh, Covered and Crucible. Oh well. So I can talk about this a little bit. I'm excited because sure. we I've been because I've gotten to play for the last year, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, it's and... the forever GM getting to go <laughs> right? to the table as a player. Great. So excited. <laughs> yeah. So um so it, it's uh it presents the scenarios are presented with um uh, the idea of uh some magical influence. Uh sometimes mm-hmm. it's magical, sometimes it's not. Um but how you react to it is going to be um how things progress obviously so mm-hmm. um for instance uh one of the uh one of the uh topics that happened for uh for this was hunters uh there are there's an organization that just doesn't you know they don't like witches and so they kind of hunt them down and uh and so it's that's a bit scary and mm-hmm. uh how you resolve those situations both morally and legally mm-hmm. could, you know, indicate that character's arc and future, um, you know, or how, how a character is uh, treated uh, by uh, the public could then indicate how uh, this character gets, you know, how this arc goes. I had a character that was, um, you know, kind of oscillating on a, well, he, he could be a good guy. He could be a white hat or he could become, this could be his villain arc. And it just, it <laughs> yeah. just kind of balanced. So finally, then he finally fell on the side of the white, white hat and it became a really cool thing. But, um, but yeah, so there's scenarios that involve, um, uh, there's scenarios that involve things like uh, magical witch bars. Uh, there are scenarios that involve magical creatures, supernatural creatures, um, shifters, uh, you know, things like that. So magical tattoo artists, which is awesome. It's a, that's a trait. That is cool. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a thing I didn't mention much about in the mechanics yet because mm-hmm. the, the skeleton is the attribute mm-hmm. scale subscale, but then you have the, the flesh, the flesh and muscle, which are the traits of the character. But okay. In any case, yeah, it's, it's the, the scenarios are really uh, what you make it since uh, and Roach is the, the, uh, the setting about uh, the legality of witchcraft and, is it legal and how does it happen and how does the legal system handle this and how do yeah. how does the IRS handle vampires yeah what is so. what is the situation on that roach because i was just wondering as you as you were saying that Stefan, what is uh yeah how does it interact because if, if it's a real world thing then yeah it would be have laws and regulations and yeah there is a whole section on there on how uh the law uh specifically within the united states uh sure. deals with magic and it's the the answer really is it's complicated um <laughs> where you'll have some places uh especially with like the united states where it's a uh different states will have different laws and and the sure. like um you know you'll have some places where they will have a fully they'll have a um in their police station they'll have a witch department that deals with magical crime and other places where they don't. Um, legally speaking, there aren't a lot of laws governing how uh, governing witchcraft, mostly because within this world setting, um, because it's based on real world, uh, witches went through the whole burning times happened where okay. you had a couple centuries of people being hung or burned for being witches. Okay. Um, so there's this enormous pushback on the witch community mm-hmm. uh, against any kind of legislation about legislating mm-hmm. witchcraft because of the fear of it going back to where it could be um, you know you end up being thrown in jail for being a witch sure. um, but kind of piggybacking off of what Stefan said and and the question of like what kind of scenarios and what kind of stories are being told um, we have run the gamut from uh, hilarious, like Benny Hill esque uh, shenanigans yeah. mm-hmm. to um, just very moving uh, stories of character development and um, you know 
the the number of times that the players have adopted an NPC, and oh, yeah. uh, Every and now yeah, and and now I've got like a half dozen NPCs that I have to keep track of because they have been adopted and they could come up at any time. Mm. Um, but yeah, it it runs a whole the the setting allows for either you can have a heist like we've run heists, sure. we've run um the the fights with witch hunters um you know there was one game where it was basically a a, a episode of law and order where it was <laughs> there's this night court that is uh talking about the legalities there's a separate court that was set up by supernatural entities so vampires and shifters and whatnot to deal with their uh legal issues so if you were a werewolf and you had a problem with a vampire Rather than you wouldn't go to a mundane court, you went to this night court. And so we had a whole game where uh, players, their characters had to deal with that kind of supernatural legal system. Um, I've been really pleased with the range of tones that we can strike with the material that we have. And that really has been a lot of that has, I, what's the saying that the, uh, the, the ST can decide whether the game is going to be a heist or not, but it's the players who decide uh, whether it's going to be hip Benny Hill music or epic music <laughs> sure. for the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is absolutely what has happened here. With um, We've mm-hmm. just been really lucky with our playtesters and with mm-hmm. um, being able to, tr- to hit all of those different uh, keynotes. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, like in any game, it so depends on the mood the players are in at that moment. And you can have so many different tones and genres to to a game. So it's great to see that it has the flexibility of that. <laughs> there was that um, one, the one game. I'm sorry, I'm so excited about this one. We yeah. we all we all got, our witches got uh, trapped in this supernatural uh, space. And so we all mm-hmm. had to play our familiars, which is really cool. Oh, how do familiars <laughs> yeah. work in the games? Everybody loves a pet. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, familiars are they aid in the witch's magic, and they can have mm-hmm. their own. Uh, they have their own skills and sub skills, um, mm-hmm. so they can do their own thing. So you could have um, a familiar who's martial. You can have a familiar who is <laughs> sneaky and does okay. spy stuff for you. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, there was just one game where I was like, all right, all your characters, put your character sheets away, bring out your character sheets for your familiars, because that's who you're going to play tonight. Um, and right. because I, I, love that. I was like, we've had two serious, we've had a bunch of serious uh, episodes, so let's have a, a fun one. Um, yeah. But yeah, familiars, and then there's also another, um, another trait, uh, which is servitors, which mm-hmm. are uh, magical servants, basically, that mm-hmm. witches can create to do things for them. Um, mm-hmm. So if you are not a martially uh, inclined witch, you could have a servitor that acts as a bodyguard. Um, sure. Or if you're, you know, you have one, if you're a hacker witch, you can have servitors that uh, help you in hacking, that sort of thing. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that thing about the familiars. I'm so glad we I, I asked about that. Because um, I think all role players, they end up, even if there's no mechanic for that, they end up adopting a pet or picking up something anyway. So it's nice to see there's that's kind of officially kind of in the game as the rules. Um, we, we talked a lot about how this game was made. Um, uh, so, Stefan, you could be a player. Um, and so <laughs> it seems like it's made very much in mind for somebody that's, that's played games and is looking to be the, the storyteller, as you call the kind of the GM in, in this game. Um, what sort of advice would you give to somebody? Well, and when I say somebody, I mean me, because I'm recently starting to kind of run games um, and from being a player for a long time. So what kind of advice and guidance would you give to somebody running this game for the first time? Um, trust uh trust that no matter how how badly you think you might be doing you're doing an awesome job uh Mm -hmm. most often players are just happy to be there and happy that they're running a game um Mm -hmm. i was super nervous and i still get nervous oftentimes because i i want everybody to have a good time so i spend a lot of time like are they having a good time um i've kind of gotten better up at that um but honestly uh as long as you are providing, uh, you can give your players a whole lot of leeway. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you can just sit back and let them RP, and they'll just RP and occasionally come to you and be like, I want to do a thing. And that's mm-hmm. when you jump in. Um, but yeah, giving your players uh, leverage and just kind of um, not trying to um, not trying to insert yourself too much uh, is a good way to get that confidence that you need for running games. That's awesome. If I can, I if advice. I can jump in mechanically yeah, for the new do. ST. Uh, yeah. No, I think the the best thing that you can do is understand that is 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 just trust that um, you will you may never ever know the mechanics as well as as you would like, but that doesn't mm-hmm. matter because uh, you uh, get to have a conversation with the player as far as what the role is. Like, okay, uh, you know, I want to I want to you know hex that witch over there to sleep. Uh, okay, well, you could do this, uh, or I want to turn invisible. Is there an invisibility mm-hmm. spell? Um, and you may, you you may, you know, say, okay, well, I don't know. It's not in the rules. Is it in the rules? And there is, but, uh, but if they come up with something really odd, like I want to, I want to turn that entire SUV into liquid silver. <laughs> Why? Okay, well, it's because it's holding a bunch of wear creatures or shifters. So, okay, okay. Um, then what would you do? Yeah, there's no, there's nothing really explaining that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that, you get that little bit of tension. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You, you look at your, the, the character will look at the sheet and you can, the ST can always say, well, what do you think would be a good formula for that? Uh, the formula being attribute skill plus subskill. Uh, and so, you know, you can look at it and say, well, maybe it's magic plus magical plus occult. I don't know. Or, or how about magic plus magical plus science or, uh, magic plus magical plus, um, uh, mechanics or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just anything along those lines. Just uh, you know, something that you might and in understanding that what you say today, as far as a formula, may not be the same thing as tomorrow. Because in the moment, it's easy to get lost uh, when mm-hmm. you look at a mechanics, not knowing what to do. So trust in the fact that you have a good relationship with your players, mm-hmm. and the players will oftentimes come up with stuff that you had not even dreamed of, and and it may be a formula that works, and it works awesome. So that does sound great. Um, I love the sound of that. Um, as we've mentioned previously, uh, Coven and Crucible is live now currently on Kickstarter. It is fully funded. All the stretch goals have been met. So it is happening and it has four days left and it closes this Friday. Um, so if you are interested, um, have a click through and support if you're able to. Because uh, the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their stuff. Um, so congratulations to both of you on the Kickstarter. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Wanted to come and talk to you about Kickstarter because this is the second time you've gone to kind of kickstart this game, and this second time it's been very successful and done well. Um, so I wanted to know if you had any kind of advice or guidance for other creators um, that are looking to kind of get their game out there and perhaps do crowdfunding. Um, yeah, I think our biggest mistake with the first one, which uh, did not fund, was we put um, too high of a goal. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have a fully finished product yet. Okay. Um, and I think that there's often, because you'll see all of these really successful Kickstarters that are bringing in all this money. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I guess I should shoot for a high goal because if I do a smaller goal, people might think that I don't have co- confidence in myself or they might think that I'm not taking me seriously. And after talking with a bunch of people who have um, a bunch of friends who have backed a lot of different Kickstarters. So they were like, no, 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 you want to start small and you want to have uh, a finished product and you want to have some, you want to have very reasonable goals mm-hmm. over promise uh, or under promise and over deliver. Yeah. And that's where I think one of the reasons why we did so well this second time around was because we had a much more reasonable goal in mind and we were like, no, we're done. We've got the book finished. Um, we just, you know, now we just need our audience to, to show up. So here is our weird game. Uh, (laughs) and all you weird witches should come and play it. Um, but that was, uh, I think that that's the biggest thing is just make sure that you have a very reasonable goal in mind and that the product is finished. Um, Mm -hmm. So that people are, so that you're reducing the risk on this, on the end mm-hmm. of your backers. So they're not taking yeah. as big of a risk. Sure. Springboarding off of that, um, having a finished product and then play test. 
and mm-hmm. trust your play tests and play testers and ask for input. Um, mm-hmm. We've added traits that were pre- recommended by the play testers or that were brought up by play testers. So like this would be mm-hmm. a really cool thing to have, and we're like, yeah, it would. Okay, mm-hmm. and I write it down. And there it goes. Uh, yeah. So trust your play testers and yeah. play test, play test, play test. Yeah, yep. And I think playtesting is really good. You know, one for obviously making the game better mechanically and getting that feedback. But um, we've had somebody in the comments here. Um, your playtesters become uh, your fans and people that are going to buy the stuff. <laughs> so it's almost like kind of marketing. We have someone here saying, uh, as a playtester, I can say if anyone watching the system is a ton of fun to play, and I'm excited for the greater worlds to get to play in it soon. Um, so, Thank so yeah, you. <laughs> <Love> you. <laughs> so one of the backers there. So if you would like to become one of the backers, the links are in the show note. If you're listening to the podcast, or um, the link is on the screen or in the comments if you're watching us live. Um, so we are coming up to the top of the hour. It's been so wonderful to talk to you about Coven and Crucible. Crucible, sorry. <laughs> I was so excited when I saw it on uh, Kickstarter, and really glad to have kind of uh, indie creators like yourselves coming on to share your game. So thank you so much for your time. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. Of course. Before you go, I do have one more question though that I ask everyone, uh, which is, do you have any uh, recommendations for other tabletop role-playing games uh, that you would like to share with everyone else? And the rule is it can't be a game that you've made and it can't be a Dungeons & Dragons because the show is called Not D&D. Yeah. Um, I am a huge fan of Changeling, which is a White Wolf oh. uh, game. Mm-hmm. And that has always just been my just my game my go-to game mm-hmm. Fab, yeah love same that. same uh, <laughs> yeah you know. we have uh, some votes for changing then yeah yeah i was gonna say changeling uh i, I enjoyed mm-hmm. uh werewolf the forsaken uh only mm-hmm. because they had a really uh really interesting spirit-based uh realm or world but it was mm-hmm. uh but i enjoyed that too because it was just a sad really sad tale but yeah but i enjoyed that <laughs> yeah um yeah Fantastic. Uh, well, that's a great recommendations there. So um, if you enjoy indie tabletop RPGs, you can check them out. And maybe they will appear as a guest on Not D&D in the future. I'd love to. <laughs> That'd be great. Because we didn't talk about the name of the game, Coveting Crucible. There are two, those are two huge prominent things in the story that are featured. You'll get to learn about mm-hmm. it if you get the book. <laughs> absolutely yeah the link to the kickstarter is there so go check that out there there's still four days left so you still have time to get involved uh we're wrapping up here uh for not dnd thank you everybody who's come to watch live and thank you to the listeners uh supporting the show with the podcast uh next week we have another guest on we're looking at shadow of the weird wizard which is uh nominated on en world as one of the top 10 most anticipated tabletop rpgs to come out in 2023 um awesome. so if you want to ask cool. any questions about that or come on and uh yeah just just get more information about it we'll be here same time same place next week uh but for now we will leave you and say good night thank you very much good night bye